Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 107. We are discussing the Sony Open on the PGA Tour and the South African Open on the European Tour. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gambler aware. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour Preview at Golf Betting System. And with me, we have Golf Betting System's European Tour expert, Paul Williams. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Steve. How are you doing? Oh, we're all right. We're in, good, we're in a good mood today. Yeah, good. Golfbettingsystem.co.uk is our website. Naturally, we're available on social media. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. We've got well over 5,000 members now there. Constantly talking golf betting and DraftKings. You can follow Paul at Golf Betting on Twitter. I'm at Bamford Golf. Look out for the Golf Betting System YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. I have just released our Sony Open Golf Betting Show. I'll put a link through that to that in the description as well. Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audio Boom, iHeartRadio, YouTube, you name it, you can get it. Please take time to rate and review us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. That is the podcast currency and drives our listener numbers continually upwards. As ever, for those of you who leave a review, I will read them out at the start of next week's show. So please leave your name in the review so we can read it out on the podcast. Please leave us a review for next week. Right, Paul, before we go into the... Mm. um, the whys and the whats and the who we should have backed and who we're regretting we haven't backed. Um, can you just mention or talk to our listeners about the Bet365 sponsored uh, majors competition, please? Yeah, yeah. I went through it briefly last week, but I guess a few of you um, will be back to normal listening this week because last last week was a bit of a bit of an odd one, wasn't it, with, uh, yeah. with New Year and all. So, yep. um, so yes, as per, I think this actually this is the ninth year that we've run this competition now, and it's been growing rapidly every single year. Um, it's evolved a bit over the years, but um, essentially it's the same. We want you to predict the winner of each of the four major championships. Now, it's a one-and-done format, so you can only use one player, or each player, you can only use each player once for your four picks. And we want one name, one different name, for each of the four majors sent to us either via Twitter, um, via email, or on our Facebook group. Um, And let us know who you think is going to win each of those four majors. Now, the scoring is dead simple. We base it on the dollar earnings of the player that you picked for each of the four majors. So we can compile a little leaderboard as we go along after the Masters, after the USPGA, the US Open. And of course, at the end of the Open Championship, we can reveal who the winner of our major championship uh, competition is. Now, as Steve said, Bet365 have kindly sponsored it again this year. There's a £150 um, or currency equivalent first prize to the, to the winner. Um, £75 to the second place finisher, £25, and again, all currency equivalent to the third placed player for um, our competition this year. All of the rules, all of the terms, all of the entry details are on our dedicated page on the site. Steve will pop a link to that um, on the description of this podcast. Failing that, come to um, to Twitter. We'll put details on there, or there are details on there already, but we'll post them again. 
Um, or come to the Facebook group where there's a thread already with everyone else's uh, predictions for the four majors already up and running. We've had well over 100 entries on that in the first week or so. Really? So, wow. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely flying. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. As we go as we go through, I'll um, every now and again I'll just give a flavour as to the uh, the kind of players that people are people are picking. Particularly as we get closer to the Masters, it's always interesting to see what uh, the view of punters is. Uh, particularly as we get close to the to the to the Masters and the other major championships. But uh, yes, that will give us a nice little flavour as to who everyone fancies um, at this stage. You need to get your entries in before the start of the Masters in April. So um, you've got plenty of time, uh, but don't miss the first tee time. Otherwise, your entries will not count. But yeah, in a nutshell, that's where we are. Pick four and away you go. Have you seen my entry? No, what are you going for Tiger? I've got Fabian Gomez to win the Masters. I can't see. I, I can't see where it's going wrong. Is, is he in the after Masters? He win, after he wins this week. <laughs> after after he gets his uh, second Sony Open in Hawaii yeah. title. Yeah. I haven't actually entered, but um, yeah. It's, no, no, uh, and you, you and I will do just for a bit of a, for a bit of a comic hilarity when we uh, finish far down the uh, leaderboard at the end of the uh, competition, which is which is the norm. But uh, yeah, there's uh, it's always a bit of good fun, and I know a lot of punters also like to use those four picks for a uh, nice little acker or a, a Yankee or whatever your whatever your want is in terms of a multiple to to see how that goes for the uh, for the season as well. So all good fun. Talking about the Masters and the Majors, I saw an interesting tweet the other day about Xander Schauffele. Mm. Still twenty-five to one to win the Masters, yeah. Which places him? I'm trying to count desperately for in the just squeaking <coughs> the top top ten in the betting. And he's like that for every major. There's twenty-five, twenty-eights about him for all majors next mm-hmm. year at the moment. Xander Schauffele, which actually in a markets which don't have great value within them, as we always say, the anti-posts on these majors, that seems to be half decent price for a player that's clearly. Yeah. At the peak of his powers recently, well, and we know his game translates to to any or all, all of the majors, don't we? And, you know, you and I have championed him significantly over the last uh, couple of seasons or so um, for the major championships. We've, I've backed him quite a lot of the majors. I know you have as well. And mm. um, yeah, I, I guess the, the only downside you've got of backing anyone in the anti-post markets is you're not getting any of the uh, extended each way terms which no. pop up. A week or so, or from a week or so before the actual no. event. Betfair, yeah. Betfair at the moment, and Boyle Sports are both offering six places on the Masters with Paddy Power. They're yeah. the only they're 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 offering an extra place, but you just know that somebody will go eight places. In fact, a whole host will go eight, and you will get the odd bookmaker out there that's going to go ten places for that for the Masters yeah, for the Masters. a very short yeah. field. Yeah, we did. We we saw it actually. We've seen it the last couple of years. Happens um, every been, year. There's been ten, ten places. I mean, it, looking at it now, if you could get ten each way on each of the four majors, um, and um, someone like Xander, you know, in that kind of twenty-five to one bracket, you know, you you could place a, an an Acker or a Yankee across all four majors uh, each way, and you, you may well get close to getting something back out of that. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he's got the ability to finish top ten in each of the four. I think. Particularly yeah. if he carries on the form that he's uh, he's showing at the moment. 
whether we can finish top five in all four is a, a different matter, which is kind of where you are at the moment if you're backing in the, the multiple markets right now. But yeah, fortune favours the brave. Now Xander was clearly a, a, a factor last week. If there were if there were a short list of players for last week, um, I there, it, there were four players that stood out for me. I took Woodland on price at 16s. There was 18s about early on Monday. In fact, the previous week I think you could even get 20 plus. Yeah. Um, it was Patrick Reed, who's clearly a course course specialist, and it was that decision. Who who was it going to be at the top? Was it going to be Xander, or was it going to be Justin Thomas? I never fancied Ron. Hmm. And eventually, I called it right with JT. The, at the end of the day, if you just look at Justin and the way you know he's only been on tour, I think it's five or maximum. This is his sixth season. Sixth season thing, yeah. 12 wins now. Yeah, no, he's impressive. And I tweeted out yesterday, that puts him level with Bubba Watson and it also puts him um, one up on Jordan Spieth now for the amount of wins. Mm. And, you know, I just think he's an incredible closer, isn't he, Thomas? Yeah, yeah, well, a bit, bit wobbly at the end of uh, last week to... Well, that. yeah, he actually admitted this was this was the one that he was going to take some learnings from in terms of he didn't play the final three holes tactically correct. Yeah, he got there like, in the end, but yeah, got there uh, in the end. I mean, you, you're you we we have a history, don't? I mean, I was fast asleep. Let's not lie here. So it made no difference. I was dreaming that Thomas hadn't won, by the way. <laughs> uh, and when I woke up and saw that he'd won, I was very very happy with that. And then, of course, you start digging into how he'd won. And I said, gee, my God, he bogeyed two of the last three. Mm. Yeah, 4 a.m. finish doesn't really work for um, for, for UK doesn't, residents. Doesn't for, work for UK, for does those, it? Uh, for those events. So it's, it's a morning after job to uh, pick the bones out of it. But, uh, but yeah, no, lovely start from you, Steve. Congratulations. It's always nice to get the season off to a winning start and a bit of boost of confidence for the uh, forthcoming events as well. I think, uh, yeah, you, you you take these winners where you can, don't you? Yeah. And yeah, actually, I thought eleven to two was a fair price for a player that's won eleven or had won eleven times and clearly loves that golf course. Mm. I've said to you, I think there's a huge, huge link between that CJ Cup that they play in South Korea and um, the course there at Plantation, the Kapalua. Yeah. It's literally you actually watch it. It's pre- most, you know. Shots there, it's flat out kind of hit the ball as far as you can. Some some of the you know some of the approach shots that Thomas was in that final round was unbe- were unbelievable. Mm. Um, so yeah, I can see a lot of similarities between those two courses. At um, is it nine bridges and the one that's right, plantation. Yeah. Yeah, so, one to bear in mind for for yeah. future years, and you know, also to, you know, flipping that on its head when you get back to the CJ Cup and seeing who who's played well at uh, Kapalua over the years as well. That uh, that may well hold some some correlation as well. Flipping it the other way around. Uh, so that was good, but mm. you, you had Thomas clearly, who's playing some great golf at the moment, came off um, a very a very strong three and a half point haul at the Presidents Cup. You had Xander that scored three points at the President's Cup. He was clearly, clearly, he's just an on those um, invite-only short field events. His history is just phenomenal, isn't it? And he, you knew that he'd be desperate to win that because he's never defending the title. No, 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 no. But he admitted 
that was the first time that he'd ever gone into a final round in the lead. And I don't mm. think he performed badly. He didn't. He still, I think he was in the top six for his round score. I think he shot 70 in the final round in yep. the very worst of the wind. It was yeah, gusting it was up to 40. Awful. Yep. Um, so it wasn't as if he, um, it wasn't as if he, um, he chunked on it, if you see what I mean. He, he was right there. And he had a putt to win it, didn't he? When, um, yep. when clearly Thomas missed, I think it was like a nine footer for par. Uh, you know, Chauflay had a shorter putt to actually win the tournament and missed it. Yeah. So you know, Xander's got a win in him. It's going to come soon, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah, without a doubt, he's, he's a he's a top class talent, isn't he? Um, it's just down down to whether you know the the motivation for him, and we've talked about it. And one of those one of those things that he hasn't done, as you just said, is to to actually actively defend a title. And clearly, that that's been getting his juices flowing. There was another event at the back end of last year, which was a similar kind yeah. of scenario. I think the next time we're going to see Xander is it will be at his home event, the Farmers Insurance Open, San Diego. And yeah. you've got a feeling yeah. that's going to get the juices flowing. That'll be Tigers' first yeah. tournament of the year. Um, it's always got a half decent field, isn't it? Um, that's the kind of tournament that Chauflay will win. That or something like Riviera, yeah, in Los Angeles, so. where that is absolutely loaded every every year. But you know, you you you're not going to see him winning the Bob Hope Classic. No, <laughs> it no, just no, doesn't no. float his boat. No, I think it needs to be a little bit tougher than that. I think he relishes the, the a, a, you know, a more no a major like is kind of an overused term but it, you know a, a a strict test is something that suits him a little bit better i think was there anything you took from kapalua from the leaderboards or just watching the play or just following uh, P- patrick reed was a funny one wasn't he simply from the way i know you know the, the, the whole conversation around patrick reed's um all over twitter at the moment anyway but uh, the way he compiled two very, very strong rounds mixed with two kind of average at best rounds um, suggests that his game's actually very, very close. And, you know, the, the danger will be or the, the question will be, is he backable? And, you know, the prices you're getting from him are particularly short and he's clearly taken some some grief from the, uh, from the crowd as well, isn't he? So how thick-skinned can he remain to be? Patrick nice. Reed, nine point three one strokes gained across the tournament putting. Mm. The next closest to him was for and this is worth mental note, Dustin Johnson, who I read that was the highest amount of yard of feet that Dustin Johnson ever made in a golf tournament. Really? So clearly the putters are working for both Reed and DJ. Mm. Um, I know DJ was testing some new equipment, drivers and whatever. But then you look at um, Strokes gain T to green for um, Patrick Reed, and he was down in 14th spot. Most of that was actually made around his, his scrambling and his putting was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, his greens in regulation were absolutely shocking. <laughs> yeah, he's an he was, one, he? he only hit, this is at Kapalua. And bear, I know it was blowing a hooli. 59.72 greens in reg he made, which was 33 of 34. Mm. Only our friend Martin Trainer, who's playing golf from the, uh, the, from the refuse can at the moment, was lower in greens in regulation. The thing with Reed was, every time he missed a green, he got up and down. Yeah, he was making yeah. putts from everywhere. Well, that shows you that with that kind of stat to to have got himself into the position he did, you know, into into a potential winning position in the yeah. playoff. Then, 
the, the, other, the, the other game must have been bang on. The other two in the playoff, Xander, 83% GIR, first. Justin mm. Thomas, 77.78, third. Yeah. Patrick Reed, 33 of 34. Just shows you, incredible game goal. Yeah. Incredible game. Yeah, plenty, plenty of ways to, uh, to cut the cloth, isn't it? Yeah. Now, should we talk Sony Open? Mm. Let's do it. Um, a couple of bookmakers just to point out, I think, <coughs> before, before we um, go into the detail on the Sony Open. Uh, Betfair Sportsbook are offering eight places each way of 50 odds. Uh, so are their partners, Paddy Power. You've also got Boyle Sports at eight places each way. Uh, this week, so those three firms have already gone into their full field mode, which is eight places each way, fifty odds on the PGA Tour. Um, have they matched that on the European Tour, Paul? Just out. They, it. yeah, they had it's a big field, isn't it, on the South yeah. African Open, which we'll get into. But yeah, Boyle okay. Sports, Paddy, and Betfair are all eight each way, fifty odds on the South African Open too. So as we keep saying, and we've talked about it in the um, podcast last week, the 2019 each way place um, uh, research, uh, those are the three that offer the most places week in, week out. Uh, we also mentioned Bet Fred last week, and um, interestingly, they have gone seven places each way of 50 odds at the Sony Open. So they're offering an additional two places with Bet Fred and... They are also offering an additional place on the European Tour. So three places in total from Bet Fred this week. We mentioned last week, if you sign up via Golf Betting System, so take a link through in the description box through to Golf Betting System, you will find with Bet Fred that we offer a bet £10 and get £30 <coughs> in bets, plus 30 free spins uh, available for new customers via Golf Betting System. That's a better deal than if you went direct to Betfred where they offer a bet 10 and get 30 in free bets without the casino free spins. Mm. So we've said uh, Betfred are this bookmaker now that we think are going to be very, very close to the top of the uh, division when it comes to each way places. And they've started strong this week with six and seven places across the two main tournaments this week. Right, Sony Open in Hawaii. I'll just go through the top six in the betting. Uh, 11 to 2, only available with Bet365 on Justin Thomas. Patrick Reed and Webb Simpson are joint second favourites at 12 to 1 apiece. Hideki Matsuama, there's a squeak of 18 to 1 about him. Colin Morikara at 20 to 1. They do absolutely um, <laughs> slaughter Colin Mar- Morikara's odds, don't they? <laughs> week in, week prices, out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very sure. Uh, Matt Kuchar at 22 to 1 rounds out the top six. It's 25 to bar those, and that being Sung J Im at seven in the betting. There was a little bit of 28, 25 to 1 for the very talented South Korean who had such a good, strong end to last season. Now, if you thought um, the two courses in Hawaii correlate with each other, well, they don't really. Uh, we had seven thousand, almost seven thousand six hundred yards last year on a uh, last week on a par seventy three. This time around, Wailai Country Club. It's an old style, classical kind of golf course. I wouldn't classify it as classical, but it's old style, tree lined. It's a Seth Rayner original. 
Uh, interestingly enough, that Rainer link also goes across to T- uh, Old White TPC, which hosts the Greenbrier. Both Rainer originals, both past 70s, which I actually um, linked to a couple of guys that I've tipped up this week. Um, this golf course is usually... Well, it's like all coastal golf, isn't it, Paul? It plays as tough as the conditions, yeah. effectively. Yeah. This is by no way a linksy golf course. Um, it's a coastal golf course, though. And traditionally here, we see winds quite light, 5 to 10 miles an hour. Sometimes it gets a little bit dicier, 20, uh, 15 miles an hour. And that, in itself, does restrict some of the scoring here because Wyalai is traditionally a very firm golf course, very firm fairways. And the fairways here are some of the most difficult on the tour to hit. Whether that's a penalty or not... Um, Depends on what kind of um, player interviews you read. Matt Kuchar yeah. last year was saying, "Oh, you know, you've got to hit the fairway here." But you look at the stats; that's not actually yeah, the, the, the rough's not that penal. There, it's never that penal. Um, what you can do though is get blocked by trees and whatever. And I yeah. think it's one of these golf courses which is basically you want to be on the right side of the fairway kind of golf course for the yeah. second shot. Yeah, it's a positional golf course. It's got yeah. nothing to Plot do with track. power. What this golf course for me, though, is very, very clear in terms of attributes that it needs. If I just go through um, the average skill sets, uh, driving distance. So this is the last, uh, last 10 winners, 2010 through 2019. Driving distance, 28th. Driving accuracy, 35th. Yeah, okay, so you know, hitting fairways doesn't tend to be uh, important here. Greens in reg is 8th. Proximity to hole 16th, scrambling 21st, putting average 6th. So what that tells me, it's a second shot golf course and hot putters win here. Mm. That's also confirmed when you look at the strokes gain numbers through 2016, 2019. Uh, so Gomez, Thomas, Kizaya, Kuchar. Strokes gained off the tee, 32nd. Strokes gained approach 4th, yeah, second shot golf course. Strokes gained around the green, 25th. Strokes gained tee to green, 8th, but a lot of that is approach and uh, scrambling rather than power. And then strokes game putting third. Mm. I put in the preview that I think every winner here since 2013, or since the strokes game numbers have been available, they've all been in the top 10 for strokes game putting. You've got to have a hot putter. And that kind of makes sense because the greens here are quite small, but they're pretty flat. And they're also very, very gnarly twift, tiff dwarf Bermuda grass, which aren't to a lot of players liking. So if you've got if you can be a positive Bermuda putter that can read greens and read the grain very well, you're in with a decent shout this week. Um, winning prices of previous winners. I love going through this. I really do. So I think it kind of steers you. I mentioned this in last week's preview that two of the last four prior to Thomas had won at single digits. Yeah. So that's now three, isn't it? That is it. And people go, oh, it's got nothing to do with it. Oh, I don't see the relevance. Well, I kind of do because it it pushes you in the in towards kind of types of player or player players that are at a certain point in their sort of career or their their kind of form. If you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kuchar was forty to one winning this last year, and bearing in mind that he'd won the Mayakoba two outings before, forty to one was quite a good price. Mm. For a guy that absolutely adores the golf course. Kazaya had won the Mayakoba, 80 to 1. Justin Thomas had won the week before at Plantation, 
when he won in 2017. He won at 14 to 1. 14 to 1 wasn't the favourite that week, by the way. Jordan Spieth and Hideki Matsuyama were both single digits that particular renewal. Mm. Fabian Gomez had finished sixth at Plantation, was 100 to 1 when he won this. And then we got two Jimmy Walker victories, 18 to 1 when he won the second one. And forty to one when he won the first. The eighteen to one price was on the back of him finishing second in a playoff the week before at Plantation. You average those out. So since we've gone to this split year PJ Tour schedule, that's fifty to one is the average winning price of this tournament. Yeah, the fair mix either side. Yeah, one at hundred. And then two shorties at 18s and 14s. So I wouldn't put you off anyone at the top of the market, really. I Personally, the way I looked at it is, bearing in mind that I won with Justin Thomas at 11-2 last week. He's 11-2 this week in a 144-man field. He said in his interview after he'd won, he was absolutely exhausted mentally. He said it was really tough just playing in those conditions and being at the top mm. of the leaderboard all week. Yeah. Um, Statistically, I could actually. Statistically, I was. You always expect someone at that price to be a full house. I actually thought that statistically, his putting isn't where it usually is at for player of Thomas's quality in terms of strokes gain. So I'm, I'm not going with him. Patrick Reed's an obvious selection, but twelve to one. I've just got here. Listen to this. These are his prices for when Patrick Reed has won on the PGA Tour a full. Field event, yeah, yeah. First one he ever won was the Wyndham, beat Jordan Spieth, eighty to one when he won the Wyndham, mm. hundred and thirty-five to one when he won the Bob Hope Classic, fifty to one when he won the won the Barclays in twenty sixteen, fifty-five to one when he won the Masters. I mean, you can argue whether that's a full field event, but he was fifty-five to one, and fifty-five to one when he won last uh, August uh, the Northern Trust, twelve to one. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't fit with that uh, trend whatsoever, does it? Oh, it doesn't mean that he's, he can't, can't. It doesn't mean he doesn't win. win. It it just means that for me, I can't back him at twelve to one, and I can't back Webb Simpson at twelve to one. As I keep saying, he's won once since twenty thirteen. Yes, yeah. If you keep backing Webb Simpson that kind of price, you're not going to win in the long run, are you? Unless he goes through some incredible purple patch of winning form which doesn't look overly likely. He's the modern-day Matt Kuchar from three or four or even five years ago. You know, just constantly fifths, fourths, tenth, eighth, second, who doesn't actually win. Mm. So he wins this week. Um, But (laughs) you've then got Hideki Matsuama at 16s. His form here, it doesn't grab me as a Matsuama course. And I've never, I've always said to you, I'm never... For me, he's so much better on bent grass than he is on Bermuda grass yeah, greens. You, you want him on a just yeah. obvious. You want him on a, a ball striking bent grass track, really, don't you? That's the uh, that's the formula with Hideki, and this isn't it. This this is a this is a plotter's track with, uh, with you know nasty Bermuda greens. It's, uh, it's it's doesn't scream Hideki whatsoever to me. I must say. Colin Morikara at twenties, Kuchar. Right, okay. So let's get into the into the meat of this. 28 to 1 interested me about Sung Jae. Um, that's been nibbled. He's 25 to 1. I think he'll go off shorter than that. Im, three and a half points at the President's Cup. 
I think he was 11th at the HSBC Champions. He was 4th on his outing before that, which I think was the C... Not the CJ Cup, the Zozo Championship in Japan. Mm. He's clearly playing some superb golf. He won in his home event... Uh, I think it was called the Genesis Championship back in South Korea. That was five outings ago. I think that links into this because if you look at a lot of the past winners, Kuchar, Keziah, Thomas, Gomez, he'd won in Argentina before he won this. Um, even Jimmy Walker, when he won this the first time, they all had a win within the last five. I wouldn't yeah. put anyone off Sung Jae-in. Um, I came very, very close to backing him but didn't. The others I came close to backing but didn't, Lanto Griffin. I think Lanto's going to have a very good week. Um, I can see Lanto Griffin um, potentially being a factor. He just played really nicely. For a guy that's a very good putter and scrambler, he was in the top five or six last week for greens and reg in yeah. those horribly windy conditions at Plantation. Yeah, and you've got this trend of players, yeah. winners, having played at uh, Kapalua as well, haven't you, over the last few years? So. There's, there's a case to be made for land, so a little bit of hundreds of one out there. If, uh, Tapping into it. that point, Paul, Walker times two, Gomez, Thomas, Kazai and Kuchar had all played the Tournament of Champions. Mm. If you look at the last 21 Sony Opens, 15 winners had played the week before on Maui. That's mm. 71%. Yeah. So, as I always say, don't rule someone out that you really fancy that hasn't played the tournament of champions, but they do seem to get a serious leg up. Which takes me through to my first tip this week. Um, I am going, you know, when we pull, we have a predictor model. Uh, if you're new to the, to the podcast at golf betting system, a predictor model that's completely free of charge, loads and loads of stats, variables that Paul keeps, uh, they're, they're moving stats that, that trend with players form and skill sets there's some really interesting numbers in there this week about players that play well in the wind, uh, players that play well on Bermuda grass greens, all this kind of information. And um, if I just run through it, you've effectively got um, the top six are all the top five in the betting. And then at number four is Sebastian Munoz. So I backed Munoz. I backed him at the eight places with Betfair Sportsbook, a fifth the odds, at 60 to 1. Um, I got that last night. Um, I believe there are bigger prices available on Munoz. Bet365 have got him up at 70 to 1 if you fancy maximising the odds. But Munoz is playing some fantastic stuff right now. And he's also got that wit, that recent win that seems mm. to be something that winners here have got because he won. Um, a few outings ago at the Sarnison Farms Championship in Jackson, Mississippi. Yep. Grainy, champion, ultra dwarf, ultra dwarf Bermuda grass greens. He then went on to finish third at the um, event they hold at the on Sea Island. Uh, used to be the McGladry, it's it, the RSM Classic. And he played quite nicely last week as well in the top 15, 16 finishers. He ended last week... Uh, with a three underscore on the Sunday in the worst of the wind, four, gusting 40 miles an hour. So he, that was the sixth best uh, fin uh, score of the 34-man field on Sunday. And I could just see someone like Munoz, who's a very good putter, very good scrambler, and also a decent win player, um, 
featuring this week on a course where he finished tenth last year on his course debut. Yeah. And you know that link I was saying with old white TPC, the Greenbrier? He has finished third there and seventh there in his last two outings in West Virginia. So he clearly likes the kind of this past 70 Rainer design type thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one thing I haven't mentioned I should do, I think it's going to be a lot windier this year than it has been in previous renewals or recent renewals. I'm looking at Windfinder right now and I am seeing gusts of up to 40 miles an hour on Thursday. I am seeing gusts of up to 35 miles an hour on Friday. That actually looks like it will be um, easier in the afternoon on Friday. So keep an eye. We might have a situation where AM, PM splits get the best of the tea times. Yeah. This And this is very much a moving feast because when I was looking at this yesterday, it was saying that we were going to have up to 40 miles an hour winds on Saturday. So there's clearly a front going through. They're trade winds from the east, which actually sets up for this golf course. But we're looking at, supposedly now, Friday is going to be very, very windy in the morning. It's going to ease off slightly in the afternoon. We're still talking 25 mile an hour gust, mind. Yeah, it, looks, is... it looks like it could be raining all day Friday. So this could turn into a real technical grind, this golf tournament. <coughs> yeah, it, it certainly doesn't fit with the you know your, your description right up front where it's typically 5, 10 mile an hour winds. It, well, we've had 23, be... 27 under wind this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's been some really low scoring, hasn't it? That isn't happening this year. Because we've got wind and rain on Friday. We've also got um, gusting 20 mile an hour winds Sunday, uh, Saturday afternoon as well. So... I said to you off off mic, I could see this being a 13, 14 under par wins this. You know, a, pr- a pretty low scoring, mid score event. Yeah. Verging on technical. I always classify technical scoring as sub 10 under. I'm not sure it's going to be single digits, but I can seriously see this being 13, 14 under par. Hmm. Yeah, it doesn't shit and shout a uh, birdie fest with those kind of uh, winds in play. We shall see. Uh, another trend I saw here, and this kind of put me off Sung Im at 28 to 1, is if you look at past winners here going back to, um, oh, way back. I'm going back here. Oh, 2006. Tom's, Guidos, KJ Choi, uh, Zach Johnson. Ryan Palmer, Mark Wilson, uh, Johnson Wagner, all had PGA Tour victories to the name before winning this. Mm. The only player that's won this since 2006 that hadn't won on the PGA Tour is Russell Henley. So that kind of pointed me towards two players in the mid-pack for me. The player that played really well last week was mixing it with the very biggest names in golf, or some of them. Yoking Neiman, the Vanderkind. Yeah. I thought 33 to 1 about him was a reasonable price. I've gone two points each way. Uh, I got seven places on on Yoking, didn't I? Didn't I? Uh, who was that with? That was actually placed. Oh, sorry, eight places I got each way on Yoking Neiman. Thir- eight places each way with Betfair. If there's a player that played last week that's got the game, has got the statistics, scrambled nicely last week, putted really, really well. I always worried about him on Bermuda grass, but he putted phenomenally well last week on, on Tiff Eagle. 
Um, and those greens are notoriously difficult to read, especially for first-time debutants. He said in his interviews he's, he's feeling the most confident he has done in his whole golfing career. Um, he's got a couple of um, world champion, or, or um, you know, they have um, child-level world championships at uh, Torrey Pines. He's won two of those in the past. So he, he clearly gets on with coastal golf. I think Neiman of last year, our last week's runners was the one that really jumped out to me at that price, 33 to 1. Yeah. Um, yes, he hasn't got course experience, but he's also a Seth Rayner winner, having won the Greenbrier, a golf course that he says he absolutely loves. I think he's going to fall in love with this golf course quite quickly. So I like Neiman at 33s. I've gone two points each way on him. Then two on 50 to 1. Brendan Todd played last week. Um, we know that Kaziah and Kuchar have both won the Mayakoba Gold Classic before coming here and winning this. I think 50 to 1 on Brendan Todd. I said to you last week, I think I mentioned it in the pod, if you're going to tip Todd up to do well at Kapalua, you've then got to follow that through and back him yeah, to, yeah. to do well at Wailai because this is his kind of golf course. Mm. Uh, the places he did well at at the end of last season were 7,000, 6,900 and 6,800 yards at uh, the golf courses. This is this is his this is his kind of place. Um, scrambled nicely last week, hit ton, tons of fairways as he always does. The GIR number was okay. He actually struggled with the putter, which for a guy of Brendan Todd and his putting ability, is that's his strength. Um, he's a good win player. Fifty to one, I got seven place each way. Fifty odds with Coral. I could see Todd being a real factor this week. Yeah, this should should suit him a lot better this week, shouldn't it? And actually, taking last week into account, a lot of players at the top of the leaderboard were all had all played at the President's Cup that they played down in Melbourne. Mm. And that President's Cup was renowned because it was very firm. Conditions were very, very windy for the whole of the President's Cup. And one guy that played absolutely out of his skin was Abraham Anser. One and a half points I've backed him each way. 50 to 1, seven places each way with Bet Fred on Abraham Answer. Because I actually think that the scoring level this week, the wind, the kind of grind ability you're going to need plays into Answer's strengths. Mm. If you look at his two wins, professional wins, he won the 2015 Nova Scotia Open on what was then the web.com. He also won the 2019 Australian Open. And he won those two tournaments at 13-under and 16-under. And I think that's the wheelhouse this week. I think Answer on a... You know, when he plays Mayakoba and they're shooting 22, 23-under, with all the home pressure, he loves coastal golf, that's clear. Um, I just think he, he isn't the purest of putters. When he putts well, like he did at the HSBC World Championship event in Shanghai in November, he was fourth for putts per GIR. He's always a factor at that point. If the putter connects this week for answer, he's the sort who's in the top thirty in the uh, top thirty-five in the world, and he's a fifty-to-one shot this week, and he hasn't won on the PGA Tour. He's the kind. I just, I just thought Sunjay him at twenty-fives, who got three and a half points at the Presidents Cup, or Abraham Answer at double that price, who got three and a half points at the Presidents Cup. And in the, I just, I just took answer because I yeah. just, I get the feeling that he's a consistent tee to green kind of guy that's got a good scrambling game. He's a great grinder. I just think the conditions might suit him this week. 
So Neiman, Answer, Todd and Munos. Those are the four that I have gone for at the Sony Open. Mm. Now, I know that you're interested in a few, and a couple of the names you mentioned to me off mic were ones that were certainly on my shortlist. So mm, who, yeah. who, are you are? who are you on? Yeah, I, I, I do like your um, Sebastian Munoz um, tip, I must say. He was one that did catch my eye. So he's he's been backed. I, the, the ones I was looking at, I, I, I kind of went around the houses a little bit. Um, JT Poston was one. I think he's, yeah. uh, he's a fair price around the 50 to 1 bracket. Um, Russell Knox, who I know is on your naughty list, so you were never going to go close to him, but um, there's, there's quite a bit to like about him. He's shown some flashes of form over the last uh, last few weeks. Longer prices, Fabian Gomez, who's won here in the past. Um, again, he's flashed a little bit of form now and again. Uh, Brian Gale, I know you've backed quite a bit at the back end of last year. was uh, another one who caught my eye. The one I've backed um, outside of Munoz, though, is Carlos Ortiz, who... Um, finished 29th last year, closed with a 64, which was the joint best of the day, which was a significant personal best after a couple of missed cuts here at, uh, the, at the Sony before that. Actually, he ended 2019 really well, didn't he? He finished um, fourth yeah. at the Sanson Farms, fourth at um, uh, fourth at Houston, uh, second at the Mike Ober as well. And to be fair, he didn't really do much wrong in those events. Um, just got beaten by the by the better man um, on on the day. What we've seen with him in the past is when he finds this kind of hot form, he can hold it. He won three times in a year on the Corn Ferry or whatever the Corn Ferry was called back in the day, um, back yeah, in 2014. Yeah. He, he he won their order of merit. He came, yeah. he, came, he came across as a real hot hand, one to watch. Twenty fourteen, yeah, it was a massive year for him. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. and oh, uh, yeah, he yeah, could he held his form and clearly rattled off those wins. Yeah. One thing, again, going back to the kind of setup this week and the likelihood of wind, um, for me that puts the emphasis more on short game performance um, than ordinarily um, it may well do around here. So um, scrambling is going to be quite important this week because I think more greens are going to be missed if it is windy. Um, and clearly putting is going to be important in that respect as well. And looking at the stats in your preview, um, your rolling stats, Ortiz was top of the rolling putting stats and second for scrambling so that kind of sealed the deal for me and we know he's a good win player so 80 to 1 um, I felt was well worth taking on for Carlos Ortiz that's interesting that, that role in scrambling number so the last 8 tournaments European Tour PGA Tour mm. uh, I'll go in reverse order Na and Hideki Matsuama at 7 Schenk at 6 Fritelli at 5 Abraham Anser at 4 Patrick Reed and Court Carlos Ortiz tied at two, and Brendan Todd number one. There you go, yeah, yeah. And scram- I think scrambling this week is going to be absolutely crucial because you're going to miss a lot of these greens in this in these windy conditions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. No, all makes a lot of sense, and that ties in quite nicely. That point with, uh, with with some of your guys that you've backed as well. So, hopefully, we're both collectively on the on the right wavelength this week. 144-man field, the Sony Open. The first full-field event of 2020. Mm. Yeah, And yeah. no Harris English. No, I know, and you're quite keen on him. It's, uh, unless there's some uh, some epidemic of sickness or something that uh, forces four or five players out, he's not going to be uh, he's not going to be making it, is he? He's sitting there as one of the fifth reserve, I think, at the moment. So, 
That is a crazy, crazy deal. Harris English, who's probably one of the hottest properties on the PGA Tour at the end of last year. Mm. Can't get in the field. I had a chat with Rob Bolton of the PGA Tour, who we know is the he's the Yoda, isn't he, about fields. Yeah. Uh, when English doesn't get a sponsor exemption in Opens like the Sony, he's subject to his conditional status. That's that's someone that finished 126 through 150 on the FedEx Cup last year, yeah. which cannot change during a season unless he wins. So when the field includes only 144, he'll struggle to gain entry. Mm-hmm. As it is always, and it should be logically, he'll have an easier time getting into invitationals because they use the FedEx Cup standings to fill their fields. So you're going to see English at the at the likes of the Arnold Palmer Invitational, yeah, and fields of that quality because yeah. he's in the top 10, 15 in the FedEx Cup standings, but he can't get in the Sony can't Open. Get the Sony. <laughs> Madness. There you go. Madness. There's the explanation for the, real, the, the for real golf the, geeks. Yeah, the vagaries of the system, eh? Thanks for that, Rob. That was much appreciated. That uh, that clarity. Uh, while while we're on the subject, the Sony Hans Givers on Twitter asked asked yeah. me a question actually, but I've batted it off to you, Steve. He was Thanks. talking about <laughs> he was talking about Shugo Imahira, the, uh, the the Japanese sensation who's been uh, been ter- tearing up the mm. J- Japanese tour, isn't he, over the last uh, last few months? And um, hundred to one for Shugo Imahira this week. Any uh, any thoughts on? Uh, on how it will go? I'm just counting. Since the end of July, he has finished in the top 10 in Asia 10 times. That includes a win at the Bridgestone Open, a win at the Dunlop Phoenix Tournament, and runner-up three runner-up finishes as well. Mm. He now ranks 30th in the official World Golf Rankings, Shugo Himahira. Um, on top of that, he played here last year, didn't he? And he finished 29th. Um, and I'm always, I've always been of this ilk. I, 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 when I used, you know, a long, long time ago, I would back players that played PGA Tour who weren't members. And I used yeah. to get burnt week in, week out. Mm. I think for a top 20 bet, or maybe even a sneaky top 10 bet, I think he's a he's a, he probably you know on the basis that he's at that position in the world rankings he's clearly overpriced because I'm seeing yeah. him as I'm seeing him tr- is it uh, as big as triple digits yeah, out yeah. There? there's hundreds of one out there and uh, as you say relative to the field I think he's probably the eighth ninth tenth something like that um, highest ranked player in the field but clearly is. He's kind of kind of down in the mid pack in terms of uh, in terms of pricing. And you do get these every now and again, don't you? You pop up and um, these players who are kind of stick out because their world ranking is far better than their price suggests, and you know they, they, you can easily brush over them, and they, then suddenly they pop up and and place or you know potentially win. And yeah, 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 it can be a, it can be a huge a huge price, can't it? But yeah, I mean, I had a quick look at his back end form um, on the Japan tour in particular, where he's been playing, and there's uh, a lot of good. He was 29th finishes. in this last year. He could be a very, very, very strong DraftKings play because you know he's going to be as cheap as chips on DraftKings. Yeah, he was 29th here last year, and he was 27th in the WGC FedEx St Jude Invitational when he played there last year as well. Yeah. So he's you know. 
He's got some experience in America. Uh, he was 27th in that out of a field of 63. He's, he's no mug, this lad, is he? No, uh, whether no. whether he finishes in the places each way, I, I can't tell you that. One thing I'd like to know, and I know that there'll be some listeners out there that are absolute experts on Jap- on the Japan Golf Tour. Tweet me, tweet Paul, tweet myself. In terms of um, in terms of Imahira's record, you know, is he a bent grass guy? Is he a Bermuda grass guy? You know, the, the, this win that he had at Dunlop Phoenix, and he's had two consecutive wins at the Bridgestone Open, I believe. Mm. Or he's had two wins at the Bridgestone Open, whether they were consecutive or whether they were 2017, 2018. Those golf courses, in fact, it's 2018, 2019, so two consecutive wins at the Bridgestone. Just give us a rundown of what those courses are actually, what they, you know, what constituents are made up of those golf courses. Bermuda grass, bent grass, because it'd be great to know that kind of background for him. Yeah. Because clearly he's a talent and he's going to be a talent that's going to be breaking out in the PGA Tour soon. Yeah. I'm sure listeners would like to know that kind of information. Right, that's the Sony Open in the rearview mirror. You mentioned this last week. Uh, you've got an apps. It's such an easy tournament to break the European <laughs> Tour with this this week. It's unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah, it's just a, short, know, it's a short small field, field event. No, South African Open. You must be loving it. Absolutely loving it. Yeah. Yeah, as uh, I, I said to you off mic, but the, the way that we can prepare the stats for the uh, for the data and the predictor in the background, um, I any players that haven't sort of featured in a previous um, set of statistics kind of fall out of the data. Um, sorry, it's all getting very technical. And um, over what well, over a hundred players fell out of the data as not uh, matching my uh, database this week. So that was fun and games to. Uh, to start the week with um, 240 players in the field this week um, and this is essentially an amalgamation it's the, it's the South African Open but it's essentially an amalgamation of what was the Joburg Open and um, also what was the BMW sponsored South African Open up until a couple of years ago um, and the South African Open was under under pressure it looked like it, it was going to be um, cold from the, uh, the schedule until they right. combined these two um, events together to create what is now the South African Open, um, sponsored by the uh, City of Johannesburg. I think is the official title, something along those lines. Yeah, it used to be BMW sponsored. So it did, yeah, 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 out, yeah. yeah. BMW clearly pulled their uh, sponsorship off the off the SA Open. And but for uh, top did... level South Africans, this is the tournament to win, as uh, along with the um, Sun, uh, the one that they play at yeah, uh, the Gary Nedbank, player, yeah. Yeah, Ned Bank. These are the two South African domestic tournaments that yeah. they want to win. Yeah. Absolute eight for them. This is like a like a fifth major in, in effect. So there's a lot of uh, local guys that um, have battled to find their way into the field, have qualified for the uh, for the final two forty, and uh, and clearly it's a big prestigious title for the uh, for the South Africans to win as well. And given the size of the field, um, understandably they need to play this over two courses, and they play that for the um, for the first two rounds at Rand Park Golf Club, uh, which is in Johannesburg. This is this is as I said, it was kind of the uh, the, the the precursor was the Joburg Open, which uh, has been held here, and this has kind of taken on that mantle. It's uh, been renamed the South African Open. It's probably the easiest way to describe it. But yeah, two tracks are used. Um, one's called the Bush Willow, the other's called Firethorn. Both at Rand Park Golf Club. And um, both were used last year for this, and both were used at the Joburg Open in. 2017 that was the start of the 2018 season if you're looking back through the 
data to uh, to get some feel as to the kind of course and the kind of players who have performed well here in the past. So 2017 um, dated Joburg Open, 2018 dated South African Open for course form students. Louis Oosthausen won here last year, 18 under. Shibanka Sharma won that Joburg Open at 23 under, so clearly scorable. Bush Willow's the shorter of the two tracks, 7,114 yards past 71. Um, Firethorn's the main track, it's the one they'll play over the weekend. It can stretch to nearly 7,600 yards, so it's par 72. Um, it typically plays just over 7.5, but the official card is 7.595, par 72. They both share parkland characteristics. They're at altitude, as we often see with, um, or as we see with the Johannesburg events. So in terms of the yardage, clearly you can shave some of that off because the thinner air will impact the way the ball flies and the ball will fly further in this thin, warmer South African altitude air. The field, as I said, 240 players, but at the top end, you've still got uh, recognisable names. Louis Oosthausen leads the betting 11 to 2. Um, there's a little bit of 11 to 2. Generally, he's 5 to 1 or shorter as he looks to defend his title from last year. Eric Van Royen, 10 to 1. Charles Schwartzel, 11 to 1. Brandon Grace, 14 to 1. And that's before you start getting out of the, the local favourites. Thomas Detry, 14 to 1. Little bit of 16 for Detry, but uh, generally 14 to 1. Sean Norris, 28 to 1. A little bit of uh, disparity with Norris because he, he we did open up at 11 to 1 with some firms and he's been pushed out a little bit. So there was probably a little bit of um, over enthusiasm with uh, Sean Norris's price from some of the early books. 28 to 1 generally. Eddie Petrel's playing 28 to 1, 30 to 1, bar those seven players that I've just quoted. 240 players, you've got a third of the field here who are 1,000 to 1 or longer. So as you can see, the um, the, quality of the, food, <laughs> the quality of the field soon strings out a little bit as you uh, dig deeper down the list. And quite frankly, there are players there that I have never heard of before towards the bottom end. So if one of those wins, then good luck to him because I'm not going to get close to picking him at 1,000 or 1,500 or 2,000 to 1. I'm afraid. Uh, going back for the winners of this as the South African Open over the last few years, let's go back to 2010. Ernie Els at 2010, 9 to 1. Henny Otto won the year after, 33 to 1. Stenson at 14. Morton Madsen, 80 to 1 in 2013. Andy Sullivan, 33 to 1. Brandon Stone, 55 to 1. Graham Storm, remember that, 150 to 1. He beat Rory McIlroy. Yeah, I yeah. remember it well. Big old scout for Graham Storm that week, 150 in to 1. In a playoff as well. Yeah, he did. He, he really held his nerve. There was a mm. cracking tournament that one. Uh, 2018 was uh, Chris Paisley, 125 to 1. Last year, Louis Oosthausen at 13 to 2, coming off the back of some decent form, Louis, last year. So. Um, clearly fancied last year and clearly fancied again to retain his title this time around. The weather, um, the risk. There's, there's a risk of thunderstorms all four days from the forecast that I've seen. Um, I think there's going to be delays. There were delays in the Pro-Am yesterday. Um, and I, from looking at the forecast, I think it's going to be stop-start. 
it keeps changing as to which of the days are the worst. Um, it's, it had been Thursday, it had been Friday, now Thursday and Friday, and the forecast I looked at this morning look a bit iffy. The weekend doesn't look great. So um, will we get through four rounds? We shall see. It's a big old field to try and get through four four rounds. So um, let's, uh, let, let's keep our fingers crossed and hope they can do that. Temperatures will be up to about 80 Fahrenheit. Relatively light winds generally. It does look like it's going to pick up at the back end of Friday if they're playing, although that does look like it's coinciding with a thunderstorm front coming through. So um, we'll reserve judgment on that. Um, looking at the type of player, you've got a little bit, as I said, you've got some course history there here to work through. So um, the first two last year, Louis Oosthausen, Romain Langasque. The two or top two from the Joburg Open, Shabanka Sharma, Eric Van Royen. So looking at those players, you'd kind of veer more towards ball striking, high greens and regulation. But the stats for the, both the tournaments were heavily weighted towards putting and scrambling. Even even Louis, who is um, one of the more um, metronomical high greens and regulation players on the circuit, he was very, very strong in terms of his putting and scrambling that, that week, this week last year. So I think you need to take those stats with a pinch of salt. I think you need a player who's capable of um, hitting um, a lot of greens in particular. But I think you also need players going to be playing well on and around the greens as well. Soft conditions, I'm expecting. You know, if if, if we keep getting inundated with uh, rain, I looked at the forecast last week. I've been following it, and there's been um, sunshine and showers all on the, the lead up to this, and more of the same is expected throughout. So, I'm expecting it to play soft, even though it's at altitude. I'm expect, expecting it to play relatively long because of the because of the dampness of the, uh, the the course. So, I think a bit of power is going to be stronger. Uh, a strong asset to have here I think it'd be playing a little bit wider than it would ordinarily so for me greens and regulation length of the tee and I think a player is going to need to have a decent week on and around the greens as well so that's the kind of formula I'm looking for this week and the only other point to add before I let you know who I've backed is that this is the second of the open qualifying series events there are another three spots up for grabs for non-qualifiers who will find their way into the field at Royal St George's later this year which as ever is a big carrot for a lot of players so there's a, there's a few things for players to be fighting for this week obviously a lot of them want to get off to a great start um, interesting to see how the players react particularly those who've downed tools for three four five weeks over the Christmas period some haven't some have been playing all the way up until the week before Christmas, so for some it's just like an ordinary week or two off, but for others it's uh, it's clearly going to be um, going to be some kind of adjustment and getting back into the swing of uh, tournament play. So um, an interesting, always an interesting one to uh, kick the year off with. And um, I've gone through the top of the market. I mean, Louis, you can't really pick any holes in his his uh, his game. I don't think he's playing well. Um, defending, you know, clearly can pay the course. He won one last year. He would have played the Joburg Open the year before, but um, he, I don't know if you remember, he had an accident to, with the, the luggage. I think it was when he was coming off the plane to turn up for the um, turn up for the Joburg Open and trapped one of his finger or his thumb or something in the uh, 
in the in the lag the, the luggage um mm. you know, the, the carrier or something or the buggy or whatever it was anyway it, it da- damaged part of his hand and couldn't play so um, he, he'd clearly been well fancied for that i remember that because he, he, he clearly he, he got uh, taken out of the betting after having been uh and having been expected to be one of the favorites if not the favorite for the event but so uh, Obviously, justified favouritism last year, and um, yeah, it's a difficult one to discount. But for me, he still doesn't win quite enough to justify a five to one or thereabouts price. And I'll, I'll, I'll leave him this week in a field of two forty where anything can happen. Really, Eric Van Rooyen ten to one. He was second in this, or second in the Joburg Open, um, held here at the back end of twenty seventeen. Ten to one though, oh, it doesn't really set my pulse racing. I must say. Um, Charles Schwartzel, um he's been backed in. I've seen he's been tipped in a few places, and I, I can understand why. Clearly, he's uh, you know a, a talented player. Got this injury as well. Came back at Leopard Creek and finished third when he was really just kind of feeling his way back through the game. So um, there were plenty of positives to draw from that. Um, not a winner. He hasn't hasn't won the South African Open. So uh, again, you know, you, you kind of pick intensive holes in it, but um, he hasn't had a great deal of. Um, play since that injury and uh, well, he's only uh, played the know. once yeah absolutely the Dunhill yeah mm. so yeah I, I, I'll leave him alone Brandon Grace also finished third at the, the at Leopard Creek as well but um, generally it had a pretty poor year and mm. again at a similar kind of price I'll leave him alone Thomas Detry 14 to 1 he will win of course he will win but um, that how patient as a punter do you need to be if you're going to continue to back him at these Really, quite short prices. He it would probably be thereabouts. He may well play some. You know, if you want to take fourteen to one with six, seven um, places on him, and and, and well, eight places with uh, Betfair and Paddy Power, as we said, um, and ball sports. Do you do you want to take that as your return for the week? It's, that just again, it just doesn't excite me. I mean, for me, I'm happy to look a bit further down the list, and um, I've started my team off with the 2016 South African Open winner, uh, Brandon Stone. Now, last year was poor for Brandon. He, st- he started poorly, um, didn't improve much, if, if at all, during the middle part of 2019. Um, but then by the end of the season, he didn't want the year to end. He he'd found some form. The highlight of which was the second at Villamora. He was thirteenth yeah. on his last start in Mauritius before down in Tulsa this season. And for me, he should be rare and ready to go for for twenty twenty. And he, read, reading some of the comments and some of the interviews that he's uh, where he's talked about the state of his game, he puts it down to going back to his old draw shot shape. Clearly, these players are constantly tinkering with their set up with their with their games aren't they but he's gone back to basics he's gone back to what used to work for him when he was younger the draw allows him to hit the ball harder firmer faster and um, it's it's clearly mentally and physically put him back into a to the kind of shape where he thinks he and knows that he can contend he's also been focusing on his focusing on his fitness and strength he says he's in the best shape that he's ever been physically so the game feels good for him. Mentally, he's in a good position. He's gone back to what he feels mo- most comfortable with in terms of his shot shape. And uh, it's, uh, it's you know, it, it nearly produced dividends straight away at, uh, at the Portugal Masters. And um, I think he'll continue that back into this year. Mm. Um, going back through some of his performances, he won the Scottish Open in 2018 by four shots. I mean, this is a far weaker field than the Scottish Open that year. So, um 
clearly proved himself at a higher level. He's already got that South African Open title to his name. So whereas some players, as they're coming down the stretch, if they find themselves in the mix, they may be getting a bit wobbly, particularly the locals, about winning this particular title. Brandon's already got one. He's already got one in his bag. He doesn't, you know, this this shouldn't be that level of uh, of nervousness and uh, and any kind of hindrance to his performance. I don't think seventh year last year after struggling um, with a a sluggish 71 71 to uh, start his four round campaign that uh, that time round recovered made the cut and uh, eventually finished seventh. And I think he could well improve on that this week and if he improves quite a lot on that this week then he's going to come very very close to winning this title I think at 28 to 1 I took that with 8 places each way again that was with uh, Betfair back then with yesterday Yeah. Uh, 3 longer players um, Hayden Portis again I got him a 90 to 1 with 8 places yesterday Johannesburg native um, and he should love the soft uh, set up here this week. He's got that long, aggressive game that should be absolutely well suited to uh, to the way this should play out this week. Uh, four career victories, two of which are in South Africa. Two of his European Tour wins came at Joburg and the Czech Masters. Both of them got a hint of altitude, more so at Joburg, but the Czech Masters has also got a little bit of adjustment there for altitude. So clearly can make those mental adjustments for the thinner air. 49th here in 2017 um, when it was the Joburg Open. He was 12th going into the final round, so had a chance that year. 7th last year um, in the South African Open here. So, of course, Swarm's good. He was 3rd for putting average last year as well. So, um, that's a positive for his style of game. 26th in Mauritius before Downing Tools at the back end of last year. And that was the best putting performance of the year for him that particular week in Mauritius. On his last start, which was literally just before Christmas, he finished 20th in Thailand on the Asian Tour. He finished first for ball striking that week, fourth for total driving. And going back to that win in Prague, I backed him that week and I picked up that week on the fact that his previous outing, he'd um, really excelled in terms of his total driving and ball striking. And um, he went on and won the week after. And this, for me, feels a very similar kind of scenario. So really quite hopeful that Hayden Portius can have a strong week this week at a tasty price. Uh, two more. Uh, Johannes Veerman is one of these American Raiders who's trying his luck overseas, mainly on the Asian tour and uh, that kind of setup, but working his way through towards the European tour now. Um, he progressed through the Asian Development Tour originally. He won there, got three more top fours to earn himself a, an Asian Tour um, card. He finished second in 2017, another second place finished in 2018 at various events. Um, so didn't win, but then he's moved on to the European Tour or thereabouts. Um, he got best of fourth in Malaysia last year, earned his card through Q School. So he's in a position now with his uh, European tour card to really take that uh, career step um, to another level. And he's kicked the season off well, the wraparound season. 7th at Leopard Creek, 21st at Mauritius, 10th at the Australian PGA Championship um, just before Christmas. So he's another one of these players who's been keeping his game going right up until the break for Christmas this year. He missed the second cut, so he was one of these MDF players at the uh, 2017 Joburg Open when he played it here. But that was useful experience. His first two rounds were, were fine, both 70 or better. 
and he's uh, clearly come on leaps and bounds since then. So I think there's some good snippets of current form with um, Veerman to justify a punt at 80-1. to one. And also, with some decent recent form, is Bryce Easton, um, 175-1. to one. I picked him up yesterday. There's still a little bit of that about today. Um, and one of these lesser-known players, um, if, if you focus mainly on the European Tour, but he's got that classic combination, of course, and current form. He was third here last year behind Louis and uh, Roman Langask. He closed with a 66 that day, which was the tie best on the Sunday, the final day of last year, to the tie best on the uh, on the day. So he could clearly play the track. He's got three Sunshine Tour wins, most recent of which was in 2018. And he spent last year on the Challenge Tour trying to progress his way through to, to the European Tour. Finished second um, uh, in France. That was his best performance. Sixth at the grand final. Didn't quite make his card. He finished 22nd overall. So he gets some conditional status on events like this. So he's got to really take an opportunity when he gets a chance to uh, to, to turn up to an event like this. He's really got to uh, to make hay. Um, but then again, we've seen some snippets of form from him at the back end of last year. 64 in his second round in Mauritius. Put him in a decent enough position at the time. He finished 10th in his next start at the Australian PGA. For me, 175 to 1 with that combination of a bit of current form and uh, the uh, course form from last year. I think that's worth having a stab at 175. I wonder what price he would have been last year. Oh, yeah, he'd probably been far longer than that. You'd have probably been looking 500s. But, uh, wow. But yes, I think um, I think he's worth, worth a punt. So, uh, yeah, Bryce Easton, Johannes Veerman, Hayden Porteous, Brandon Stone, my four against the field of 240 this week. Best of luck. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying this in a bad way, but I've got as much interest in the South African Open featuring 240 players as I have in next week's uh, Bob Hope Classic on the PGA Tour. <laughs> Because it's just a it's a lottery, really, to a certain extent. I mean, Louis could walk. Louis could turn up and, and walk that tournament. But oh, this yeah, the South African Open. Know, yeah, I, from a punting perspective, the cuts at the same position. So you know, you you're gonna you're gonna see three quarters of the field or thereabouts miss the cut this week. Wow. So as a punter, if you put four or five players up, and you know. Most or all of them missed the cut. I wouldn't get overly despondent. So in DraftKings, if you get three through the cut, you're doing okay. <laughs> yeah, if you get six out of six through, you're probably going to be in for a you, decent... You're in, uh, you're in the big money. Yeah, it should be in for a decent payout. So, uh, so yeah, it's, we're, we're being eased in gently, of course, to the season. But yeah, we've got the Abu Dhabi Championship next week, so back to some kind of normality. Just and, one uh, note on Eddie Pepperell. He's changed, uh, he's changed manufacturers, hasn't he? He has, yeah. He's changed from Mizuno to Ping, so just bear that in mind on a a name that might tempt a few. Right, Paul, thank you very much for your time. Yeah, best of luck this week. Best of luck to you. Um, It'd be good to get something with uh, next week's Bob Hope Lottery on the uh, horizon. (laughs) You might get the winner, Steve, you never know. I'm I'm determined to go very, very low stakes next week. A couple of players (laughs) get out of town. Um, and we'll move on to the next one Uh, thanks to listeners thanks for listening and uh, of course don't forget the majors competition sponsored by Bet365 get involved we will see you again next week goodbye